So we are in the second week of Advent, um, which is our sort of four weeks leading into Christmas, which is a time in which we sort of prepare ourselves for Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus. And we decided to do a sermon series um, on Advent this year called The Unsung Heroes of Christmas. Uh, a lot of times, if you've gone to church sort of for a while, you hear some of the same stories over and over, a lot of the same characters over and over. Um, and we wanted to sort of highlight some of the maybe minor characters that you might not have heard of and some of the, the stories that might have been untold um, as we uh, go through this Christmas and Advent season. So last week we covered Elizabeth, um, who was the, or the mother of John the Baptist and, and sort of the prophetic role that she played in the Gospel of Luke. And this week um, we're going to actually kind of talk about a few different groups of unsung heroes that we have in the Bible. Um, one is the family that hosted Mary and Joseph during Jesus' birth. And the other is the shepherds who visited Jesus after he was born. Um, and so today we're going to kind of, we're going to get really detailed. We're going to really zoom in on a few of the stories to maybe relearn a few things that we've been told. Because there are two things that may come as a surprise to, to some of you who are familiar with the Christmas story. The first is how many of you have heard that Jesus was born in a stable? That is not true. And we're going to go over why that is not true. And then how many of you have heard that the first people to visit Jesus were the three wise men? That is also kind of not true. Mostly untrue. <laughs> we're going to explain that one as well. So we're going we're gonna to kind of dive deep into these stories that we've heard and maybe understand a little bit of, about um, what actually happened and why I think it's important that we know what actually happened. So again, we're, we're reading from Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 is sort of the opening text we're going to work with. And it says, while they were there, they being Mary and Joseph, there being Bethlehem. So while Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the, con the time came for her delivery. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she put him in a simple cloth wrapped like a receiving blanket and laid him in a feeding trough for cattle because there was no room for him at the inn. So again, first off, Jesus was not born in a stable. And this verse really makes it sound like he was born in a stable because he was placed in a feeding trough. There was no room at the inn, etc., etc. But we're actually going to, to look at, at, at why this is not an accurate translation. And the reason that it's not an accurate translation is that there is surprise, a mistranslated word, and a misunderstanding of culture and context. And I'm going to work through both of those. So the mistranslated Greek word here is the word is kataluma. You don't have to remember this or even write it down just so you know that there is this word. And this word doesn't, this is the word that they translated as in, but what it actually means is guest room. And the reason that we know for certain that it means guest room and not in is that Luke uses this word a few more times in his gospel, and every time that it's used, it always means someone's guest room in their home. And then Luke talks about an inn at another point in the story, and he uses a different Greek word to actually mean an inn. Okay? So this word should technically be translated to guest room instead of inn. 
And the misunderstood cultural context is that Jesus was put into a feeding trough for cattle after he was born, which we assume must mean it's a place where animals are kept, which is true, but we assume that that means it's a stable that's outside of the home, when it actually is inside of the home. And we're gonna, I'm going to go through that as well. <clears throat> so, so what exactly does this mean for, for this story? It means that Mary and Joseph showed up to somebody's home and that the guest room in this home was already taken. There was probably someone else who was already staying. So Joseph is from Bethlehem. That's where he grew up. And so when he goes to Bethlehem, there's no way in which his family would not have welcomed him into their home. So it would have been ridiculous in this day and time to think that you going to your hometown means that you would stay at an inn. Because an inn is not the same as what we think of as an inn today. When we think of an inn, we think of like maybe like a bar and a restaurant and like some nice cozy rooms that you can stay in. An inn back then was not a warm and welcoming and nice place for a family to go to who's about to have a baby. It would have just been unthinkable that you would go to an inn in order to have your child. So the most likely thing was that they showed up and they went to someone's home. And at this home, the guest room was already taken. And this is where I think our heroes come in. Because this family, which already had guests who were in the guest room, still took Mary and Joseph into their home. They didn't kick them out and say, oh, you have to go stay in this stable outside or you need to go find another home. They said, all right, so our guest room is full and we want to keep them, but we also want you to stay here so you can stay in the common area of our home, which would have been sort of a central space within the home. And this is where things get very different than what we're used to, because in that context and in that time and place in the Middle East... Um, most families would have brought their animals inside at night because it would have been cold outside and they wanted the extra warmth in the home. They didn't have, um, you know, heaters. Uh, and so animals actually provided extra warmth for the home. And then the animals were also kept more warm at night. So they would have had a feeding trough inside of this common room because animals would have come in there at night and they would have needed somewhere to eat and to drink out of. And so... So the feeding trough was just a natural part of a home, not a telltale sign that they were in a stable. Okay, so, so the fact that Jesus was put into a feeding trough for cattle just means that they were in this shared common space within the home, not in some stable outside of it. And as I was writing you know, this sermon and learning, you know, I had learned about this a while ago, but as I was writing this sermon, I, I remembered... Um, in April, I had some friends come from out of town to visit. And initially, it was just going to be two of them. And so I live in a tiny one-bedroom apartment. And so initially, I was like, okay, so they can stay in my bed, and then I'll just sleep on the couch. And then a third friend was like, well, if they're coming, I might as well come. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just get an air mattress, and we'll like squeeze it into the living room, and then they can stay on the air mattress. And then I had a fourth friend who was like, I want to come too, since the other three are coming. And I was like, I, there is no more room at the end. Um, but, you know, instead of me saying, find somewhere else to stay or I can't house you, I was like, we'll make it work. We'll just, we'll get a bigger air mattress and space will be a little tighter. But, like, these are my friends and hospitality is important. And so we're going to find room 
to space to keep them all in my tiny little apartment space. And that's the same thing that would have happened with this family when Mary and Joseph show up at their place. They don't say, go find somewhere else, or there's already people here. We don't want to have to take care of two more guests, especially a pregnant woman. You know, they were like, you are all welcome to stay in this home, and we'll just make it work. And it very well might have been that the family slept in the common room and let Mary and Joseph sleep in their bedroom. You know, we don't know what it looked like, but we do know that they would have been hospitable enough to welcome their own family members into their home. And so I say all of this, and there might be some of you who are like, why does this matter? Like, does it matter that Jesus was born in a stable or does it matter that he was born in a home? Like, what's the point of this? And I think that it does matter because it moves this story from one of inhospitality. So it moves the story of Mary and Joseph showing up at this inn and the innkeeper being like, there's no room here. Go in the stable with the animals. Um, you know, to, one, to a story of hospitality. To a story of a family already having guests over and saying, you are still welcome to stay with us. Not to mention, there were probably a lot of other people involved in this birthing process. I think another image that we have is that Jesus was born alone. Mary just gave birth by herself in this stable, and then he was put in this manger, and that were the only people present there. But that also isn't likely. There was probably midwives who were invited in from the community to come help you know, Mary give birth. And so I think it would be unfair for us to ignore the role that these people played in Jesus' birth. That it would be a disservice to this family to ignore the fact that they showed incredible hospitality to some distant relatives who came into Bethlehem. I think it would be a disservice to the midwives who helped give birth to Jesus to ignore their role in this story and how they probably kept Mary alive and safe and then helped keep Jesus alive and safe as he was a newborn infant. And I think it would be a disservice to the larger community in which hospitality was such a core principle for this town that there was never a question in this family's mind that they would give hospitality to Mary and Joseph. And so I, that's one of the reasons why I like to, to reframe this for people because I don't think it does justice to these unsung heroes, to this family who gave up their space and their time and their food and their money to help take care of another family to the midwives, to the community, to all of these people who played a really crucial role in Jesus being born. And I don't think it's fair for us to just forget them because we have this idea that Jesus was born all alone in a stable. And hospitality is, a, is such a huge theme throughout the Bible. I think it's probably one of the most like core tenets of the Bible is that hospitality is one of the most important things that you as a human being can offer others. And so we can always learn from examples of hospitality. So again, it's important for us to recognize moments of hospitality in the Bible because then they can teach us how to be hospitable in our lives. And so if we ignore this tale of hospitality and instead pretend that it's one of you know, loneliness and inhospitality, then I think we're missing the point and we're missing an example of a way in which we can show hospitality to other people. Because we always have to be asking ourselves, how do we become more hospitable? How do we increase our ability to more fully welcome people into our lives, into our homes, and into this church community? And, you know, even when we don't have space 
in our guest room? How do we still offer hospitality? Even when we don't have enough time or money or energy or space or whatever that looks like, if we don't have enough of that, how do we still become hospitable people? And I think this family in Bethlehem 2,000 plus years ago shows us a way in which you can still be hospitable even when you don't have the space to do so. And so that's why I think it's really important that we get the story right and we know exactly what happens because then I think it more fully opens the picture of Jesus' birth. The idea that Jesus was born in a hospitable environment I think is really important and incredible and noteworthy for us to pay attention to. And so there, there was a lot of context and a lot of explaining, but I think it's super important that we know what actually happens in the Bible. And, you know, this is a good practice for when I ruin other scriptures for you by saying it actually didn't happen this way. You're kind of like more ready for it, not ready to, you know, stone me or something like that. So, so this is good practice for all of us. And then the second part of this um, uh, story that I want to highlight is that initially Jesus wasn't visited by wise men but by shepherds. And again, this is only partially true. I'm sort of picking and choosing here because in the Gospel of Matthew, it is magi, wise men, who are the first to visit Jesus. But in Luke's story, it is actually a group of shepherds who are the first people to visit Jesus. And how often do we think about the shepherds? I don't know that I personally think about them a whole lot. I think with a lot of nativity sets, there's usually the wise men there. And sometimes you might have the shepherds, but you're more like concerned with the wise men. You also have Christmas carols that sing all about the wise men. And I don't know that there's any that sing about shepherds. You, you could maybe prove me wrong on that. But I do know of a couple that sing of these wise men. And I can't recall any that sing about these shepherds. But this is a really significant difference between Matthew and Luke. Because for Luke, it wasn't the rich or the wise or the powerful who were the first people that got to celebrate Jesus' birth. It was actually shepherds. And shepherds were very poor. They weren't considered like high up on the societal totem pole. They were pretty like lowly, not very respected professions was to be a shepherd. And so... They were a, a lower class, a more marginalized, a more oppressed, a more forgotten about class of people than the wise men would have been. And yet it is shepherds who are the first people invited by God to come visit Jesus. Because in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8, it says, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of God stood before them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah and the Lord. This will be a sign for it. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And so it was an angel of God who came down and personally invited these shepherds, these poor, marginalized, lower class people, to come and be the first ones who get to visit Jesus after his birth. 
And the way in which Jesus' birth was received should tell us something. It was the quote-unquote common people, the, this random family uh, that lived in Bethlehem, uh, some midwives, um, and some shepherds who were the first people that got to interact with Jesus and who were the group that were invited to celebrate his birth. His birth was very normal by all standards. Um, he was born in a common home with midwives present. He was visited by shepherds. He was born without much fanfare. It wasn't like he was born in a castle or a temple or a mansion, you know, and celebrated with by, you know, the king. You know, in fact, King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And so um, we sort of have this dichotomy of, of um, sort of everyday people are the ones who encounter Jesus first. And the reason I think it does this is that it's very relatable for us. Um, that everything about Jesus' birth was standard. And I think when things are standard, they're way more relatable and interactive with the masses of people. And the main theme in the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus consistently finds welcome and community with the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. And that Jesus wasn't this like, stay with me here, this uh, set-apart person. Like, I, I, we, you know, we, we view Jesus a lot, you know, within his divinity as, you know, God incarnate. And we sort of think of Jesus as, like, way up here. And, like, it would just be cool to, like, look at him. Um, but really, <laughs> that Jesus was day in and day out interacting with physically in person just everyday people. He was having meals with them. He was having conversations. He was having arguments. He was sharing stories. He was walking with them. He was talking with them. He was hearing their stories. Just normal people. You know, and a lot of people who would have been considered outcast or marginalized or oppressed, people that, you know, um, the higher-ups in society would not have interacted with. Jesus was like, I don't care. You're a person. You're someone I love, and I'm going to interact with you. And so this whole... Um, overarching theme in the Gospel of Luke is started with his birth, which is normal and standard and relatable. Jesus is within reach. We learn from the moment of Jesus' birth that he's here to be with everybody, not just with those who have power or who are the religious leaders of the day, but that he's here to be with each and every one of us. And that starts directly with his birth and the way in which he was born into this world. Jesus is accessible and relatable to everyone. That God invites the poor and the marginalized and the normal and the everyday and the regular and the standard to be a part of Jesus' story and Jesus' narrative. That Jesus' story is one in which we are all invited, no matter where we are or who we are or what we've done, we're all invited to be a part of this story and a part of this narrative. That we are welcome to be Another piece of Jesus' ongoing story in this world and in this community. And so those are the two main points that I wanted to, to get across. And, and so, you know, as always, you know, there's a, there's a practical challenge 
to a lot of what we read in the Bible, and I think the challenge here is how do we become more hospitable? And I think that's something that we all should always be asking ourselves, even if we as a community feel like we've got it, like we know how to be like welcoming and inclusive and affirming. There are still things that we should probably get better at, and we have to be open to having those conversations as a community and as individuals within our own lives. And understanding that Jesus' story, which is one of inclusion and welcome and affirmation, is one that we are included in and that we are a part of and that we have a role to play in, regardless of what our status or standing or identity is. So I want to invite you to join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we are thankful that you are accessible, that you are relatable and that you are here to be with us as individuals and as a community. I pray that as we move forward, you continually push us towards being more hospitable, towards being more welcoming and loving, and that we realize that the meaning of Jesus' birth is one of radical inclusion and welcome. And so I pray that as we move forward as a community, that you move with us, God, that you walk with us, and that you continually challenge us to more closely follow your word and your scriptures. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. And now we move into our 